Hey, this is Brendan Gersall from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. Well, welcome, King's Church. Thank you so much for joining us today and tuning in from wherever you are. And I want to say uh, an early Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and all the tidings, seasons, all the stuff. I want to say this, though. Make sure in all the festivities as you gather or whatever you do, do not miss our online special service, our Christmas celebration. It's a one-year, one-time only. The team has put so much work into it. Your whole family is going to enjoy it. So make sure you catch that live stream as we brought Broadcasted on the 23rd and the 24th. Our Christmas special is going to be a ton of fun and hopefully an encouragement to you all. So don't miss that. But today we are in week three of a little mini series we're calling Christmas for COVID. And we felt like it would be a great thing to talk about what the message of Christmas has to say in the light of the season that we're in right now with the COVID-19 pandemic continuing to press upon us. And the first week we talked about how, hey, it's dark out there. This is a dark time. This is a dark season. However, there is a light named Jesus that darkness cannot and will not overcome. And then last week, Pastor Adam did such an incredible job talking about how this is a disruptive time, but fear not, take heart, God does his best work through disruption. And this week I want to change gears just a little bit. And I want to kind of change uh, even sort of the, the series a little bit. In keeping in this vein of Christmas for COVID, I want to shift to this idea. Here, I'm going to give my title and then I'll break it down and I'll tell you why in a second. The title of my message today is this, Jesus for Christmas. Jesus for Christmas. Uh, if I had a backup title, I'd call this Tis the Season for Jesus. Tis the Season for Jesus. What we're going to do today is we're going to look at the Christmas story. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Luke chapter 2. If, you have a, if you're on your computer or whatever device you're on, open up Bible, your Bible app, version, BibleGateway.com, BlueLetterBible.com, whatever Bible app you want, and open it up in Luke chapter 2. And my purpose today is to do this. I want to differentiate the message of the gospel and the message of, the, the, the message of Jesus and the, the advent and the first coming of Christ. I want to differentiate the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus, from Christmas, the season that we are currently in. I want to look closer at the message of Christmas and maybe even contrast it with the real message of Jesus together today. Because I want to suggest to you that this season we call Christmas has a lot more to do with a whole bunch of different things than just Jesus than we might think it does. The other day, uh, it occurred to me that we don't often give a lot of thought to why and where traditions come from. I was driving home from school with my sons and my son Aiden, my oldest son, he said, Dad, uh, I was doing some research today. I'm doing a project on the country of Japan. And Dad, did you know that in Japan, one of their Christmas traditions is that they love KFC. And they go and they line up down the block to eat KFC at Christmas. And now I'm thinking, man, I hope my son is not like racially profiling or stereotyping. So I went home, did a little fact checking. Now, and it said on the internet, it told me, indeed, Japanese people seem to love KFC at Christmas. Now, I still wasn't quite ready to trust what I read on the internet. Pro tip, don't trust what you read on the internet. So I called Pastor Johnny Robertson, our Charlottetown pastor. Him and his wife, Lisa, lived in Japan. I said, John, is it true that in Japan, 
People love KFC at Christmas. Is this a tradition? He said, yes, it is. Totally a tradition. People will line down the block to get themselves some fries, some Kentucky fried chicken. Strange, but true. But, you know, as we think about that, yes, it's weird, but what Christmas tradition isn't? All the traditions that you and I get sucked up into and swallowed into, if you ever stop and really think about it, you don't really know why it became a tradition, where it came from, when it started. You just know it's just what we always do. And you get kind of going with the flow of the culture and of the season. I don't know why every year my mom and and my wife too seem to want to buy the kids and me who I don't wear pajamas not a thing, but they want to buy us Christmas pajamas. It's a tradition. Mine, my tradition is to neatly fold up those pajamas and never wear them. Uh, I don't know why every year we watch the same movies. We have to watch Home Alone 1 and 2. Only 1 and 2. Anything beyond that doesn't really matter. We have to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas. we got to watch uh, the Polar Express. We have our movies. It's a tradition. My wife has a tradition of watching her Christmas movies while she raps. And not, not raps, but like raps. Well, she raps presents. And some of those movies, actually most of those movies, are Hallmark Christmas movies, which also have a tradition. Hallmark has a tradition of telling the same story over and over again, the same way with different characters. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But here's the deal. Some of what we do, we never really think about it. And if you zoom out for a minute, realize it's very weird. It's strange. Like, have you ever thought about how weird it is that you bring a tree from the outside into your home, you prop it up in the corner, put lights on it, and decorate it and enjoy it for a month. Like, it's, it's strange. Where did that come from? Most of us don't know. Is it not weird to you? You ever thought about the, the fact that we tell our kids that, hey, there's going to be a fat guy from the North Pole. He's going to drive a sleigh in the sky with reindeer. He's going to fly to your roof. He's going to come into your home. He's going to break an entry. And he's going to come into your home. And he's going to leave gifts under the tree. And then he's going to go off and we'll see him again next year. That's strange, but we never really think about it that way. It's all as normal as can be to us because we've accepted and we enjoy these things. And most of us have just kind of gone with the flow of it and been swept up in the Christmas season our whole lives. These cultural family traditions have a way of taking us with them, don't they? They're powerful. They gradually just take us down year after year and we go with the flow of them. And interestingly enough, Christmas, the celebration of the birth of Jesus, was started as a Christian tradition precisely because of the human propensity to get caught up in cultural currents and traditions and rituals and rites. It was originated to fight back against the pull of the culture and the seasons that was pressing itself against the church at the time. Now this might come as news to you, but Christians actually did not celebrate Christmas for the first three and a half centuries of the church's existence. For 300 years, the church never mentioned Christmas, never celebrated Christmas. It wasn't held that Jesus was born on December 25th. I might be bursting someone's bubble right now, but Jesus, we don't know actually when he was born. In fact, most scholars think it was probably in the spring. But anyhow, it was, th- it was not until like the year 350 that we know that the Pope Julius decided to establish Christmas as a holiday. And in fact, before then, Jews and Christians never really celebrated births at all. They would only celebrate, the Christians celebrated Jesus' death and resurrection, and sometimes they would even celebrate his baptism. 
but it was never really talked about about his birth a whole lot. Christmas became something believers created because it originated as a direct response to cultural currents and seasonal influences that were pressing itself up against the church. So like I said, Pope Julius declared that December 25th was going to be a day for Christmas, where we were going to Christ Mass, where we were going to celebrate the coming, the advent of Christ. And he decided that, or the church decided that, because the church global was getting pushed and pulled by a bunch of cultural uh, forces and other traditions. For instance, the pagans had their own tradition in December. They celebrated the winter solstice. Uh, the Celtics, they worshipped Balder, the sun god. And it was said that this sun god was struck down by uh, an arrow of mistletoe. The Jews had the festival of lights, better known as Hanukkah. Put on your yarmulke, here comes Hanukkah. So much Hanukkah to celebrate Hanukkah, some of you know it. Romans, they had their own holiday in December. Not just the Jews, not just the Celtics, not just the pagans. The Romans celebrated the god Saturn in December. And they, in fact, had a tradition of giving gifts. And so all of these things were happening. And it was most likely that Christians adopted this December season, December 25th. They adopted that date as almost a protest or a pushback to some of the other things that were coming in and influencing the Christians. There was a decision of the church to say, you know what? In this season where people are celebrating this God and worshiping that God and partying this way and doing that thing, we are going to fight to hold on to our faith in this season. We're going to focus on and celebrate Jesus who came to us. That's what Christmas is going to be about for us. It was a late adaptation. It was a late decision for Christians to celebrate in December. But they made the decision, hey, y'all can worship the sun God. We're going to worship the son of God. You guys can worship Worship, you know, the menorah and, and the light season, we're going we're gonna to worship the, the light of the world who stepped into darkness. You know, you can worship the God who was struck down by a tree. We're going to worship the God who hung on a tree for our sins. Christians knew they had to be intentional with their faith, that their beliefs in the light of these cultural forces needed to be clung to, to be grabbed on and held on to. And my question and my suggestion today is, I think we need to do that again. I wonder if we haven't gotten kind of absorbed into the holiday season, that Christians can't really delineate between what is strictly Christian and what is just Christmas. The story of Christmas and how that's any different from the story of Christianity. And I want to suggest to you today that these two things are very different. And as I got doing this series over the last few weeks, I found myself saying, you know what, Christmas speaks directly to COVID, but in actuality, Christmas, as a lot of us know it, doesn't. Jesus has good news for COVID. And I want to just speak for a moment today about Jesus for Christmas. And I wonder if it wouldn't be helpful for us this year, in this season like no other, this Christmas season like no other, where we're not just dealing with cultural forces, but we have the forces of the pandemic and difficulties happening all around us. I wonder if it wouldn't be helpful for us to remind ourselves about who it is we celebrate and why we celebrate and how that is different from Christmas, the market holiday that so easily can swallow us whole. And so what I want to do for just a few minutes, I'm not going to be long today, but Merry Christmas. I think this is going to be very helpful for us. 
I want to give us four different delineations or differentiations about Christmas versus the gospel of Jesus. And I think there's something worth reminding ourselves about this year. I want to look into the story of the first advent. I want to look into the story of the coming of Jesus in Luke chapter 2. And look at what it's telling us that we need to heed or hold on to or remind ourselves about. So here, here, here there are four differentiators. Are you ready? Four things that we need to untangle and untwist from Christmas and Jesus. And remind ourselves we need to celebrate Jesus for Christmas. And here's, here's the first delineation. Number one is this. Differentiator number one. Christmas, the, the holiday season that you and I all know and love, and I'm not suggesting we don't celebrate, so don't hear me. I'm not saying protest Christmas. I got presents. We're going to be up, you know, under the tree at Christmas Day. It's, it's all good, but I want to make sure we know the difference. And here's the first differentiator. Christmas might be for good boys and girls getting what they deserve, but Jesus came to give all of us what we do not deserve. Christmas might be all about good boys and girls getting gifts because they earned it. Christmas, that might be Christmas, but Jesus, the gospel, is actually about bad boys and girls getting what they do not deserve. We know this to be true. We know that Santa is pretty straightforward. He's going to give you gifts if you're good, right? Like he has a strict sort of fair economy that if you, you know what, if you just be a good boy or girl, you're going to be on the, on the nice list and you're going to get a a present for Christmas, but if you're bad, you know, you better be good for goodness sake because if you're bad, you'll end up on the naughty list like this little boy whose dad was warning him, which pro tip parents, nothing as convincing as threatening that Santa is not coming to your kids. Don't judge me. I freaking milk that. But you might find yourself ending up on the naughty list like this little guy. Check this out. You won't absolutely. That's why you're, that's why you're on the naughty list. Trust me. Well, that's why you're on the naughty list because because you're being naughty right now. So you're gonna be on the naughty list if you keep talking like that. No, no, because Father Christmas is not being very nice to me. Because you're being naughty, so you're on the naughty list. No, I'm not. I'm on the good list actually. You're not because you you're not because you ain't being good. Father Christmas rang me last night when I was at work yes. and said, you better tell Jackson to start being a good boy or he's going to stay on the naughty list and he won't get no presents for Christmas. That's what he said to me. So you've got to start being a good boy. Then I'll do an uppercut to him. No, no, he won't do no, it. Punch him. Punch his beard off. You're just silly, man. They trust me. I'm not on bad list. You're on the naughty list, mate. I'll punch him. I'll punch his beard off. Jackson, I don't know what's going to end up, but I know one thing. He's not going to do anything halfway. That kid's either going to be a CEO of a Fortune 500 company or be in prison, one or the other. But he, he knows how it works. And the dad is telling him, look, man, you're not being good. And if you're not good, you're not going to get presents. And that's the message of Christmas. But y'all, that is so different from the gospel. The gospel is precisely the opposite. And let's, church, let's remind ourselves 
that the opposite message is true. We actually celebrate a completely different message, and that is this, that God gave grace, gave the greatest gift imaginable to people who absolutely did not deserve it. You're on the naughty list, I'm on the naughty list, and yet God did not count our sins against us, but in fact gave his son to us on our behalf to die in our place. Incredible. And this is what the, this is what the Christmas story tells us. Look in Luke chapter 2. It tells us that there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. We know the story. This is the angel of the Lord came to them. He said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will be cause for great joy for, say it in the chat, all the people. It's for all the people. And notice it doesn't say great news for good boys and girls. Great news for people with a certain education. Great news for people from a certain part of town or people who did really, really well on their, their test. No, it doesn't give any qualifications at all. Why? Because this gift you didn't qualify yourself for. God qualified you for it. That's so incredible and it's so different than the message of Christmas. And I would hate for the church to get thinking about God the same way we do Santa Claus. That God is holding his grace back because you're not being good. And I think, let's just be honest, there's been times I've thought about God like Santa. Thought about that I need to work off my, my bad behavior so I can get put back on the nice list. God does not keep track of your sins. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, he has separated us from our transgressions. That if we are in Christ, we are new creations. That we are in Christ, that means that he sees us and he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. God gave us the message of the gospel is I bring you good tidings of good news for all people. He came for everybody. Jesus gave us what we do not deserve. This is what it means in Romans 6. Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. What does that mean? The wages. It means what you've earned through sin is death. And the Bible tells us, Paul said it earlier, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. And if you sit there and say, no, I haven't, you're, you're lying to yourself and to God. There's a sin, so you're in too. The wages of sin is death. All have sinned. What we deserve is death. And yet, here's the good news. This is the message of the gospel. The gift of God. The gift, the what? The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. But God gave it to you anyway. That is the message of Christmas. And it is very, sorry, that is the message of the gospel. And it is very different than the message of Santa Claus and Christmas and all that. Let's not get it twisted. He came. He gave us surpassing grace, it says in Ephesians 9. He, there's no condemnation, it says in Romans 8. That, that God has already given us the most precious commodity, the most precious gift in the universe in his son. You didn't work for it. You didn't work your way on to, to God's nice list and you can't sin your way off of it. Someone needs to hear that today. You had a bad night last night or a bad week or a bad month. Guess what? You didn't earn your way onto God's good side and you can't, earn your, you can't sin your way off. That's not the gospel. The gospel is God gave his son so that if we believe in him, we are brought into his good graces. We have been reconciled through Christ. Don't get caught up in works this season. Yes, you know what, parents? Hold it over your kid's head. Tell them, be good or Santa's not going to bring you any presents. Fine. But do not let your kids think of God that way. God doesn't treat us that way. God gives us what you do not deserve. That's the message of, that's the, message of the gospel. Tis the season to remind ourselves of God's great grace. Let's not get it twisted. No one is disqualified and no one has qualified themselves. God has given himself to us. Here's the second thing. 
The second delineation or differentiator is this, that Christmas might be about giving gifts to others, but Jesus came that we would receive him. Christmas might be about giving gifts to other people, but Jesus came to be received. There's an adage surrounding Christmas, isn't there? The Christmas season. And that is this, that giving is the reason for the season. That it's, it's more about giving than receiving. I've tried to tell my kids that. You know, they're excited to get their presents. And I try to tell them, hey, I don't want you to be greedy little punks. So let's remember that it's actually better to give than receive. And you, you know what? We're re- very excited to be giving gifts to our family and friends. That's part of what Christmas is all about. But here's the deal. The message of the gospel primarily is a message to be received. It's a message that you and I have to take in and receive. Jesus came that we would receive him. It's not about, the gospel is not about what you can give or what you gave. It's about who you have received. This is very much, very different than the message of Christmas. The message of the gospel is receive Jesus. Receive forgiveness. Receive salvation. This is what the the song, the Christmas carol we sing. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth, what? receive her king. It's about receiving. Let's look at the text, Luke chapter 2. What it says in verse 11, they're making the announcement, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will be cause for great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born, see it, to you. Here you go. This gift is for you. This savior is for you. This Lord is for you. Receive him. This is not something, this is to be received. It's not something to be earned. It's not something to be obtained. It's not something for you to do. It's for something, someone, it's someone to receive. It needs to be stated that Christianity is something to be received by faith. And here's the deal. It's very hard to receive a gift like Jesus. It trips a lot of us up. A lot of people don't actually receive him. They, 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 they believe about him. They, they know the story of Jesus is true, but they haven't actually received him. Look, look what it says in other Christmas texts, the text we read at Christmas, John 1. John says that Jesus came to that which was his own, but his own did not, what? Did not receive him. They didn't receive him. Yet to all who did, there it is again, receive him. To those who, and this is how you do it, you see they're connecting it. To those who received him, those who believed in his name, that's how you receive him, believe by faith. He gave the right to become children of God. Jesus is to be received. And it's not given that you will receive. Now, let's not get confused here. Jesus was given that you would receive him. But it's not a given that you have. Let me say that again. Jesus was given that you and I would receive him, but it's not a given that we have. We actually have to make a decision to humble ourselves and receive. And there's a reason I'm talking about this, because it's a lot harder than you think. We, we get tripped up in two different ways. Way number one that it's hard to receive Jesus as, as this gift is that we have to recognize our need for him. He came to be received as a savior, which means what? It means that, that you are helpless, that you did nothing to deserve it. And a lot of us have a hard time accepting this gift because we realize I, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Have you ever been given something that was so over the top? You, you're like, I can't accept this. 
A lot of us struggle to receive Jesus when we, really, we, we realize the great cost that he is, the, the precious gift that he is. We realize it's undeserved, that it's unearned, that we're unworthy, that he's too costly, that his grace is too costly. And some of us really struggle to receive that. We have to humble ourselves and freely receive. Other people struggle and we, we actually, we all struggle with both of these a little bit, but it's, we also struggle to receive Jesus because he comes not just as Savior, but also as Lord. You not only have to humble yourself to receive something you have no right to receive other than he's just being good to you, but you also have to humble yourself and surrender your own lordship, your own control, your own will, your own way to his. And a lot of people get hung up there. They think, I can't accept this gift, not because I don't deserve it, but because I don't need it. I'm good. I got control. I, I, know how, I know how I want to do this. Or Jesus, you can kind of come into here, but not over to here. And the, what trips us up is self-sufficiency and self-centeredness and control. However, the, the, the message of the gospel is this, that we would receive Jesus. My question for you is this, have you received Jesus as Savior and Lord? Have you received him as Savior and Lord? Let me think, ask yourself the question, what is Lord in your heart? Who's ruling in your heart right now? Is Jesus, like what's the next line in that song, Joy to the World? Uh, he rules the world with truth and grace. Does he rule your heart? Or does COVID rule your heart? Does he rule your heart? Does he rule your mind? Or does, does your, your family not being able to be home for Christmas rule your mind? Whom have, who have you received this Christmas? Have you received Jesus? Jesus is given that we would receive. And then when we are generous, we do it having received. The Bible says, freely you have received, now freely give. Here's the third differentiator. I'm almost done. Differentiator number three. Let's, let's, let's untwist Christmas some more. Christmas might be about getting together with our people, our family, our friends, but Jesus came to bring together all people. Christmas might be about getting together with our people, time for family and friends, but Jesus came to bring together all people. Tis the season to be together, Christmas says. And we all believe that. We, all, we want to be with our family, our loved ones. Christmas is a time to be around those who love us and those who we love. It's a time to be around friends and family. But for the people of God, for Christians— Specifically, Christian, uh, Christians, the message of Christmas or the message of the gospel, however, it calls us to actually look to the overlooked. That's what the message of the gospel is. That's what the message of the first Christmas is. It's an invitation to people primarily who have been left out. The overlooked, the downtrodden, the forgotten, the bottom of the barrel outsiders. God specifically came for those who have been marginalized. If, did you catch it in, in Luke chapter 2? Look, notice who the first announcement of the coming of Jesus was to. It wasn't to the, the, the Caesar. It wasn't to the king of Judea. It wasn't to uh, CNN or a news outlet. It wasn't to an Instagram influencer. The announcement came to the nobodies, to shepherds. Shepherds in that culture, in that day, they were the uneducated. They flunked out of school. Shepherding was what you did when you had no, no education and no other options. It was the job that literally anybody could do. You're babysitting sheep. And so the shepherds are out in the fields, and the announcement doesn't come to the prestigious. It doesn't come to the exclusive. It comes to the excluded. How incredible is that? 
It comes to actually include those who have been excluded and forgotten, those who were alone. And the, the, the angel comes and says, I bring you, shepherds, good news. It's good news for all people, and I bring it to you. That's what the message of the gospel is all about, that Jesus came for the outcasts. He came for the outsiders. He came to include the bottom of the barrel. He came to, to call everybody into his family. No one needs to be left out. And this starts with those who are marginalized and those who are left behind. I watched the, the new miniseries called The Chosen. I would recommend checking that out. You can find it on YouTube or the website. It's excellent. And there was this scene that I found very striking where Matthew the tax collector is trying to wrestle with, do I go and follow Jesus or do I stay here in my lucrative business, you know, continuing to generate all my wealth? And there's this conversation he's having with a Roman friend he has. And the Roman's trying to convince him, man, what, what are you doing? Don't follow Jesus of Nazareth. Look at them. And he's pointing at the followers of Jesus and fishermen and, you know, just this ragtag group, an ex-prostitute, like just, just the, the, the dregs of, of society and, and he looks at Matthew and says, look at them. And it, the camera pans to, to Jesus' people. And he goes, they're the outcasts. That's the bottom of the barrel. And that's the message of Christianity. That's the message of Jesus. Exactly. Jesus came to make all people his family. It's more, and it's more than just this willingness to include people. He actually hunted us down. He's looking for the outsiders. This is why Jesus gave that shepherding analogy. He says, you know what? I'm like the shepherd who leaves the 99 who are safe and sound. And I go out and I find the one who's lost. The one who's tripped up. The one who's lagging behind. That's who Jesus is. Jesus isn't looking for family and friends. Jesus is looking to make everybody his family and friends. And that's why his eye is specifically drawn to the isolated and the, and the marginalized and the forgotten, the outsiders. That's who he is. He came to make us all family. This is the message of the gospel. John 1 says he came. We just read it a minute ago. He, he came to those who would receive him, it says, to those who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. He made us into his family. Widows and orphans, rich people, poor people, black people, white people, bad people, and worse people. He made us all his family by faith. John 3.16, one of the most famous Bible verses in the whole Bible, and for good reason. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, there it is, whoever, not rich people, not poor people, anybody, whoever believes in him, will not perish but have eternal life. This message is for the whosoevers. Christmas might be for your people, but the message of the gospel is for all people. Final differentiator is this. Are we starting to get it untwisted? I hope we are. We're starting to remind ourselves, hey, this, this, this season for us is a time to, to, to remind ourselves the message of the gospel is so much greater than any kind of holiday season. So, and here's the, here's the final reason I want to talk about today. Differentiator number four. Christmas might come but once a year, but Jesus, his kingdom, came to remain. Christmas comes but once a year, but Jesus came and remains. The best and worst part about Christmas is it comes just once a year. And I think, I don't think we'd enjoy it. I know I've, we've all thought, you know, I wish it was Christmas every day. I don't think we'd like it after a while. I think we'd get pretty tired of it. My kids always ask like three days after Christmas, Dad, when's the next Christmas? And I've literally had to say in 361 days, right? Christmas is novel. 
It comes and then it goes. And so we really enjoy it while it's here and then it's gone. However, it would be very, very bad for us to appropriate the message of Christmas and think about Jesus and think about the gospel that way. The gospel of Jesus is a season that has come, is here, and remains forever. Jesus proclaimed, this is the year of the Lord's favor. It's here. I've established it. It, it, It's not a seasonal thing I've come to do. I didn't come to just be good today and not tomorrow. I came to establish my goodness and establish my kingdom all the time. That's what he came to do. That's the message of the gospel. And it says it right in Luke chapter 2. Look what it says. It tells us in verse 13, after the announcement was made, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying this. Here's the truth. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor comes but once a year? No. On whom his favor comes just on December 25th? No. Just when you really, really need it? Or just when you didn't need it? No, no. It's, it's, it's always. His favor rests on his people. That is the message of the gospel. Christmas comes but once a year, but we're Christians all the time. That's, that's the rhyme I'll give you. I, I was thinking about it like this. You know, we, we do this thing, for those of you who are maybe just tuning in or you're not familiar with King's Church, we do this thing every year called Love Week. It's like a generosity initiative where we just try to like stir up as much generosity as possible. It's always a ton of fun. And when we get delivering or serving or doing things and just showing generosity, it's not uncommon to get a comment from somebody, someone who's receiving. They'll say, man, this is like Christmas, they'll say. And I've had this response over the years. You know, when someone says this is like Christmas, my, my response is, nah, it's like Christian. This is what, this is like Christian. This is what it means to be Christian. We are generous all the time because Jesus is generous all the time. We can give all the time because we aren't afraid of what the stock market's doing. We aren't afraid of what's in the bank because we know the one who hold, who owns the cattle of a thousand hills. We, we're, we're Christian all the time. And that is the message of the gospel. This is not a temporary kingdom Jesus came to establish. Isaiah 9 said he was establishing an everlasting kingdom and the increase of his government will never end. Jesus did come. Jesus did live in history. He did die on a Roman cross. He did rise again and he did ascend to the right hand of God. But the Bible says he gave us his spirit, his very presence. And this is the thing. Jesus didn't come. He he didn't only come. He remains. Jesus didn't only come, but he remains with us. And this is his promise. He says, I'm never going to leave you. Never going to leave you. I'm just going to be coming and measure. I've come to establish my kingdom and I'm going to establish it more and more by by converting more hearts and changing more families and changing more lives and invading communities and neighborhoods. I'm just going to keep taking ground and more and more ground, not just today, but forevermore. This is what he says. Look, I'm going to give you lasting peace in all seasons and circumstances. It's not that things aren't going to be hard, but he says, look, Fear not, take heart. I've given you the, I, I'll tell you these things so that you have peace. I have overcome the world, he says. Lasting peace is ours because he remains. His abiding presence remains. Look at the last words he told his disciples. He said, look, go and make disciples of all nations. That's our job. Those are our marching orders. Then he says, teach everyone to obey everything I've commanded you. Look at this. Look at the promise. And surely I am, can you say it? 
I'm with you. Say it in the chat. God is with us. Say it in the chat. God is with us. Let's blow blow up the chat and remind each other today that God is with us. He's with us. He's with us. God is with us even to the very end of the age, till the very, very end. That is the truth of the gospel. And it's very different than Christmas. Christmas comes but once a year, but we're Christian all the time. Say that in the chat. Christmas comes but once a year, but I'm Christian all the time. You know what? Goodwill and cheer comes through Santa once a year, but goodwill and cheer and the joy of the Lord remains in me all the time. Christmas comes but once a year, but I'm Christian all the time. The old, the old Christians used to say it like this, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Christmas is good, December 21st to the 26th or whatever, that season. It's good, it's a good season. No one's saying it's not, but God is good. He's actually better, and he's better all the time. Jesus rules all the time. I I pray this Christmas that we separate and delineate the message of the gospel from the message of Christmas and that we take hold of the truth and that as we practice generosity, that we would do so having received the generosity of God in Christ Jesus and that when we give, it's because we freely receive and that we remind ourselves that he rules the world, COVID doesn't. He rules the world, cancer doesn't. He rules the world. The economy doesn't. We'd remind ourselves the truth of the gospel and it would cause us to celebrate Christmas even better than any other time of the year. That we would remind remind ourselves that, that, you know what, there's people that need to be included. Widows and orphans and people that are alone, they need to be included. That's the heart of God. Here's a few questions to guide us this Christmas and then I'm gonna pray. Question number one, do I need to receive the gift of grace this Christmas? That's the big one. You know what? Like, have you actually received Jesus? You know, last week, Pastor Adam led a bunch of people in a a prayer to receive Jesus. Maybe you think you missed your opportunity. No, you didn't. The Bible says God's mercy is new every morning. He's offering himself to you today, too. It's not a a one-time-a-year event. You can receive Jesus right now through a prayer of faith. Number two, do I need to give the gift of of grace this Christmas? Some of you, maybe, maybe what God is asking you to do is forgive that person who offended you, who hurt you. Maybe you need to reach out, and this might step on somebody's toes, but maybe it's time to reconcile with your family. Maybe it's time to reconcile with that person that you, you broke it off with. Number three, who can I include in my Christmas that might be an outsider, and how? Let me challenge you, church. In a time where people are, are hurting and isolated and alone, What a tragedy it would be for the church to not be intentional about expanding our family circles. You know what? God expanded his bubble through Jesus, and we are supposed to do the same. Who can you include? Who can you call? Who can you encourage? Who can you give a gift to? Who can you make an honorary member of your family this Christmas? Because that's what Jesus is like. Number four, here's the last one. Have I found my hope, my rest, my peace, and my joy in Jesus? What season do I need to intentionally bring Jesus into? Do you need to bring him back into this Christmas? Maybe you're in a season of suffering. You need to hang on to Jesus. Maybe you're in a season of difficulty and trial. You need to hang on to Jesus. Whatever it is, he is Lord, he is Savior, and he is good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this truth. Thank you for the peace that you've given us. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that it's the gift that's been given to all people, regardless of what we've done. Lord, help us to humbly receive 
the gift of your grace. And as we receive it, would we release it to others? God, would, would we, the church, be the most generous people? Not because we have the Christmas spirit, but because we have Christ's spirit in us. And that it would cause us to be generous and inclusive and loving and caring. Laying ourselves down for the benefit of others the same way that you did for us. And Father, I pray that this Christmas season, we would bring Jesus into Christmas like never before. And I pray it in the name of you, of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Merry Christmas, everybody.